Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh Podcast. This is episode 45, and I am so glad you are with us. Well, this episode, I'm going to share my own soul story. I know I've shared some stories throughout these episodes, but this week, I'm going to share where I feel like uh, the Lord is leading me in this next phase, this next journey of my life. For the past four years, I've had the incredible privilege and honor of serving as an associate academic dean and then academic dean uh, of a small Bible college in Northern California that actually ministers to and has students from all over the world. An incredible ministry, incredible opportunity to, to come alongside people of all ages and guide them as they fulfill their calling to ministry. Some not fully sure of, of where they are going or what ministry they're called to, but all, I think, feeling a general sense that the Lord wants to use them in some specific way uh, to reach the world, to reach the lost. You know, the pandemic, as we come, still continue to come out of it. And uh, in the United States here, there were uh, some... I think regulations or laws or uh, provisions that that were lifted even within the last couple of months as uh, it's taken this long to really uh, come out of it and understand it. And I saw an article the other day talking about uh, doctors really trying to or believing that they had made a breakthrough in understanding long COVID. The impact of, of COVID on everybody's life all over the world um, has varied, of course, from some just a minimal disruption to others, more uh, unfortunately permanent disruption, but even uh, those dealing with issues like long COVID or health issues. But every institution, especially churches and schools, uh, small businesses as well, have really been affected. And one of the things that that I have seen, and particularly in working with this Bible college, is the impact on churches. We know that churches here in America were closed uh, to a varying degree in the various states for a certain length of time and the impact that it had on so many. Some churches closed. Some people have decided that they're good with going to church online or staying home. And uh, some people will probably never go back to church. And the church has been in need, I think, for um, a, a reformation and uh, I'm referring back to the great Protestant Reformation in the 1500s with Martin Luther, John Calvin, and others, and has, has been in need of a reformation for a long time, has been in need of an awakening, not just to, to the awareness of, of people who are lost without Jesus, but a, an awakening to whether or not it is effective in its its purpose and its mandate to not only make disciples, but encourage and strengthen the believer's heart and life. And that's been of a concern for mine as a, uh, as a pastor, as somebody who has been invested in the church all of my life, it has been a concern of mine to see this church struggle to really understand and follow its mandate, its mission. We have global mega churches, you know, the size of hundreds of thousands and then we have the smaller church around the corner uh, here in this little town in Northern California where I uh, moved recently. There's several 
churches on corners and you can see that there were some were like literally houses that turned into churches and some of them are decked out with really cool instrumentation and lights and uh, you know the contemporary music and some have stayed a little bit more traditional there's all size churches and and even churches that are meeting in their house and and joey teas who we had on a few episodes back is really seeing a growth in in the movement that he is a part of which is very exciting he's seeing um small or, or house churches really bubble up in a lot of different places and you can check out his ministry at connectionhouse.org and really what god is doing in and through him as he and i have have been on a similar journey of really discouragement with the church and really trying to help the church envision how it can be most effective um, to impact people's lives and so um, and so we're seeing even you know backyard church church in his backyard uh, baptisms in his swimming pool and and seeing it kind of move in other directions and so there is excitement there is movement and even in the big mega churches they I, I am not um, discouraging or, or down on them necessarily as they have been able to do really tremendous things and it's exciting to see the work that they especially that they can do with the resources that they have all over the world they have they have been able to make an impact but one of the things that we are doing whether we are a small church or a big church and even in our Christian colleges or Bible colleges what we are failing to do is really make disciples. In the Industrial Revolution, and particularly in the 19th and 20th century, we learned how to mass produce things. Henry Ford learned how to mass produce the automobile, and he created the whole assembly line. And I, I don't know what he started out as, as far as how many cars he originally was able to make a day on that assembly line, but that definitely impacted the, the growth, the rate of cars. And soon it was like, hey, don't you need a car? Everybody in your family needs a car. Even the baby, she needs a car. Um, mass producing cars. We've learned how to mass produce food uh, using uh, modified growth um, GMOs, what they're called uh, GMOs and and learned how to modify food in order to increase their uh, production and increase the amount that we could produce. And that has helped stem the tide of hunger and starvation all over the world. We've, we've learned how to mass produce a lot of things. And I think we've, we've gotten into the habit of thinking in terms of mass production and and thinking in terms of split-second returns and growth at microwave speed. And we've trans translated that into the church and into spiritual growth, into discipleship. At times, we've attempted to mass-produce evangelism. Again, I, I, I don't want to discourage and, and uh, speak, speak ill of any type of crusade or revival that has that has seen, you know, thousands or, or uh, hundreds of thousands come to know the Lord, as I do believe that those can be affected. I do believe that people can accept Jesus as their Savior at a Harvest Crusade or at a Billy Graham Crusade, the late Billy Graham, or at other crusades. I, I do believe that that is possible. 
but we've come to treat those types of mass production, mass events as the norm. And so altar calls become the place where people are invited, maybe even first hear about Jesus and then are invited to accept him. But then the follow-up is often lacking. So what does that mean? And we, and because we're trying to get people not to turn the channel or leave the auditorium early, we're trying to get them to take the bite, to, to, to you know, take the bait, so to speak. We, we reduce salvation into a very simplistic idea. Accept Jesus into your heart so you can go to heaven when you die and avoid hell, which you most certainly d deserve because you're a sinner and all have fallen short of God's grace and God's glory and are in deserve of punishment. But Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins so that you can be with him in heaven. And we, we, we lead with that and then we tend to end with that. Okay, great. Now your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you are going to heaven. Isn't that so great? And as, as awesome as that is, and as true as that is, what about the in-between? What about life now, before I get to heaven? In the 20th century and 21st century, I think we began to realize that, especially with our megachurches, that, yeah, we've probably focused a little too much, too much on evangelism. And so now um, we've mass-produced evangelism. Now we got to mass-produce discipleship. And so you get discipleship programs that have sprung up all over. Uh, in the 90s and the 2000s, there was a program called Master's Commission, which, again, I don't want to denigrate its impact. I, I believe I, I've seen the impact that it has had. And and a positive impact that has had on many lives. And people, people came and people spent money because they were hungry for discipleship. People have come to the Bible college where I've had the privilege to, to, to lead and serve. And they've come, not necessarily because they've felt a, or knew for sure that they were called to full-time ministry, but because they were hungry they're hungry for discipleship. They're hungry for a walk with Jesus that actually matters, that actually looks and feels different than the life that they were leading before. And so in order to get that type of education and training, they've got to go to a Bible college because our churches aren't equipping people for discipleship. Our churches right now are struggling to survive. And as I've, I was in full-time ministry, I, I, again, not denigrating the full-time minister, I understand the challenges, the concern week to week on, on the tithe and on you know, wh whether we'll get paid and we, we can pay our own rent or mortgage or whatever it might be because we are here and committed to the church full-time. The church right now in a post-pandemic world, in a world that has become global and even more technologically oriented, the church today, I think, is struggling just simply to survive and to continue to be relevant. And pastors, and again, I have been there, it can be very easy to focus on that survival and or we may just have so many people and so much going on 
that we are simply not able to disciple people. So what used to be the role of the church and the pastor is now severely lacking and is being outsourced to so many others. David Fitch wrote a book years ago titled The Great Giveaway, and in one of the chapters he talked about how pastors and churches have given away counseling and the true understanding of soul care to therapists. I strongly support and believe in in uh, therapy and psychologists and counseling but we have we have instead of managing and helping people and being equipped to help people on their journey and counsel and guide we have relegated that opportunity to therapists and so we now have people who who just need somebody to talk to, somebody to guide them, somebody to disciple them, who are going to therapy because there's no one else to go to. Churches are too big, pastors are too few, and nobody in the church, very few people, understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus themselves. And so when people in the church come to them, they're barely able to help them, let alone keep themselves afloat. The world today is in survival more now than ever before. Some people are thriving. Some people are still doing well. And if you're one of them, wonderful. Help others who are not, please. But there are so many people that I see all the time. Students that I have seen over these last four years. Members of congregations that I've seen over the last six years. Who are in such desperate need of help, of guidance, of discipleship. Six years ago, I had the opportunity to, to go back to school. After I'd finished my doctorate of ministry in 2014, I, I felt the itch. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't right away, believe me. I had to kind of uh, do a whole mental break from school and other things, only briefly, because then I was right back into writing a book. Uh, but not too far after that, I thought, okay, what's next? It's time to do something else. Do I want to get a PhD? Do I want to write another book? Uh, my, my mind likes to, to, is pretty, is pretty, uh, it likes the idea of achievement and, and ambition. The Lord is working on me, uh, in that area. He's, he's teaching me to slow down and be content in the present. But I felt the, the need to increase my skills. It was working as a, a co-vocational pastor at a small church plant. And I was also teaching, adjunct teaching at as many schools as I could possibly do. That was my full-time gig was an adjunct teacher. And so uh, I felt like I needed to increase my skills. So it was trying to figure out what I should do next. And it boiled down to, all right, well, let's get another master's degree since I can't sit still long enough to think about what would be a good PhD thesis or, or dissertation. Um, and so I thought, well, I, I like history. I love history. I shouldn't say I like, I love history. Here's a school up the street from my house. I think I can afford it without having to take out any 
any more student loans, I can go, you know, it's a short degree, 30 units as compared to my MDiv, which was 90 units. Um, I, can, I think I can do this, take one or two classes a semester, not try to rush through it. So in 2017, in January of 2017, I went back to school. And for the next two and a half years, I got a master's degree in history from Cal State Fullerton. It was a life-changing experience for me. And even though I was insanely busy, uh, life got busier, not not uh, more calm. And as typical of probably many of you, uh, instead of making room for something in my life by taking out something, I just added one more thing. And so it was uh, it was a push to the finish line of that degree. But and I've shared before how, you know, these students who had gotten their undergrad degree in history, they just knew so much and they were they're younger and they're quicker and faster and smarter. And so they I fell out of my league many times and maybe don't even remember half of what I learned. Very sad to say that. But one of the things that I learned, one of the things that has impacted me, impacted me then and still impacts me now is how much, how much of history has not gone, has, has gone unseen or unheard. How many people's voices in history have been silenced because they were not the majority, they were the conquered, they were uh, female or children or had disabilities, they were the outcasts. There are so many vantage points to an event and to history. And there are so many people in history who have not, whose voices haven't been heard. Think of the tomb of the unknown soldier. Not quite sure who this soldier is, but they served and we want to honor them. Well, it's great that we honor this tomb of the unknown soldier here in America, but that person has a name, has a family. And yet nobody knows who it is. Their voice will never be heard. Their life will never be seen from the vantage point of history. It just solidified what, what has been a lifelong passion and, and continues to resonate deeply within me that every person is important. Every person is valuable. Every person is made in the image of God. And yet so much of our lives, so much of our, our growth, our, whether it's our life as Christians or even those who are not Christians, but, as, but even those who are Christians, how much of our lives goes unseen, unnoticed, unheard, unacknowledged. Every person has value. Every person is important. And mass production of discipleship and especially spiritual formation is just not cutting it. So over these last few months, and in particular, as I have served in this, again, such a, an incredibly honored role, I'm, I'm honored to have served in this role, the students that I came across and I've connected with, the students that I simply didn't have time because there were too many of them. What has been resonating deeply within me is that everybody needs someone to walk alongside them, to help and to guide, to disciple, 
to encourage, to support. And so after having been at the school for four years, in the next few weeks, I will be stepping out and launching my own ministry opportunity to journey with people and provide resources and support for people on their spiritual journey. At first I thought, well, you know, maybe some type of spiritual counseling, like pastoral counseling, which, which this will kind of be. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe I need to just go back and get like a, you know, a psychology degree. And I was like, no, I, I, I ain't got time for that. I'm way too tired for that. I would love it at some point. Um, but the limitations for me of, of therapists and psychologists, I, I wouldn't be able to, to, to talk about their spiritual journey unless they brought it up. I wouldn't be able to engage with them in those questions that, that really need engaging with. I wouldn't be able, it wouldn't be spiritual, spiritual formation focused. And so as I've been praying and meditating upon what I believe the Lord is calling me to do, I will be launching into providing spiritual formation, coaching, mentoring, and resources to people all over. Individual, one-on-one, -on -one, spiritual formation, coaching, either live in person up here in Northern California or through Zoom. But also, because I love to teach and I love the connection with people in real time, live classes through Zoom where people, where we can challenge one another, encourage one another, where we can grow together and I can speak into the lives of others. All of the things that I've learned, all of the things to do and not to do, and really just encourage. And I'll be providing resources downloadable resources, courses, uh, videos, and, and other things on various topics from Bible studies to spiritual formation topics to leadership topics. As I zero in on this part of my life, and as I have had such the privilege to minister in so many different settings, as a discipleship pastor, as a student ministries pastor, as an academic dean, as a, as a college teacher, as um, a teacher in such an, a tremendous ministry, the School of Ministry in Southern California under the leadership of Jim and Carla Gutel. So many hundreds of students can't, coming to take those classes. And I believe that many of them were taking those classes not necessarily to go into full-time ministry or, or become credentialed, but just because they were hungry for discipleship. And I, this opportunity to speak and to teach and to uh, communicate to people all over has only left me even more with a burden and a passion to continue in that vein, both in, on one-on-one, one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one coaching and in classes and other resources that can help people. Some of the best moments and experiences of my life have been the mentoring and coaching and therapy provided to me by others. Friends, mentors, family members even, teachers, professors, pastors who have walked with me and spoken into my life. I, I have truly been blessed. Blessed with, with an amazing 
youth pastor growing up and and uh, youth pastors I should say growing up blessed with amazing professors for throughout my journey from Vanguard to Azusa to um, Cal State Fullerton amazing people who just cared about investing into the lives of others to incredible friendships who have encouraged and supported and to amazing therapists who have have managed to help guide me and speak into my life and help me see areas where there was hurt or wound or trauma I think we are hungry I know that we are hungry for support and encouragement we are hungry for discipleship we are hungry for someone to come alongside not someone who knows more than we do but somebody to come alongside and say you know what you can do this I'm with you I support you I want to encourage you I want to speak into your life I want to provide the support and the mentoring and the coaching that has been provided to me I want to let you know that you are seen and heard that God loves you and cares about you so much and that that extension of God's love and care can come through someone like me as I move into this phase of my life and ministry as I fulfill two parts of my life that I am most passionate about as far as ministry I'm most passionate about people and my favorite people are my students and my nieces and nephews but don't don't tell anybody now um, oh, that's not true I think I think friends are also part of that favorite people but I love 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 interacting with helping guiding and coaching people and pastoring and teaching are my gifts are my calling and it's just as surprising to me as it is to many other people but helping to shepherd people helping to guide them and allowing God to speak through me as I study his word as I understand the complexities or at least try to and try to break it down into ways that anybody can understand it is truly a gift it is nothing that I have uh, nothing that I could have manufactured and it is my desire to use those things to speak into others lives so more coming your way very very soon as the Nefesh podcast will only be part of this coaching and mentoring and resources that I will be providing but in the next few weeks uh, allowing people to get a glimpse of that and as it resonates with them to to be a part of that and I want to encourage you wherever you are in your sphere of influence and well maybe to think about you and where you are right now in your spiritual journey do you have somebody that you're pouring into and is somebody pouring into you is there an ache an ache a desire for more for understanding God more for understanding his word better 
If you feel you've got those resources, then who are you pouring into? Who are you ministering to? Who are you coaching and mentoring? Who are you leading? Exciting things to come, and I am excited. I'm excited that you're listening. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the opportunity to be able to pour into people's lives in a whole new way. Well, thanks for listening. This has been episode 45 of the Nefesh podcast, and I will talk to you next time.